God is good, isn't he? <laughs> and not only is he good, but he's great. When I hear people say that God is good, you always hear the other half of that. And I said, yeah, amen, but he's great. It is the greatness of God that will shake you to your toes. It's the goodness of God that will heal your heart. It's the goodness of God that will save you. It's the greatness of God that brings you into victory. I have a word this morning that I want to share with you that um, I, it was actually it was at a road rally that was at our house about a month ago and and uh, we had some folks out there and one and uh, that was a redundancy I'm sorry um, I'll try to not do that too often uh, Lawrence and Sandra were some of the people that were there and as something was brought up about a message I had spoken not in entirety like I will today God willing um, but there was a section of it that was brought up, and and Vicky brought. Oh, Rip preached on that, and it's, and you know if you if you don't know who I am, I'm Rip. That's my wife, Vicky, over there. We pastored here for seven years prior to Pastor Mike's coming here, and then just this, after four years of being away, we came back in February. So some of you might uh, have heard this. I know my family will say, Yeah, we've heard Dad speak this before. I spoke this. Uh, about four years ago at Harvest Barn, and uh, this is the reason why the reason why I speak this at certain times and in certain places is because this one message contains a strong, strong warning and also insights on the condition of the church at large, capital C, and it's how to walk in God's favor. And it's how to walk in His pleasure all the time. If we can just pay attention to some of the warnings that the Lord has for us to learn about this morning. You know, the Lord is not like some people that you might have known over the years that just seemingly wait for you to do something wrong and then cuff you for it verbally or physically. You know, there are, have been those people in our lives that that they just wait for you to do something wrong. But God is not that way. He waits for us to do something right, and He loves on us. He loves on us all the time. The favor of God, I assume in my life, the favor of God is at an all-time high. There's nothing that I can do to work for it. You know what that's called? Grace. He loves us. In Hebrews it says He entreats us as sons and daughters because we are. But there come times when the Lord wants us not to be ignorant of some of these strategies and the schemes of the devil to eat you. I watch... I watch... uh, National Geographic, because I love the animal kingdom. And there's a picture of Satan in the animal kingdom as his being a roaring lion. So let us go to the study this morning, and let's see if he can, if the Lord can show us a few things about Satan's schemes. Would you turn with me to First Peter five eight, and let's see if if it's on the screen up here quicker than what. Did you bring a Bible with you? Does anybody bring Bibles anymore? I mean, I mean this kind. <laughs> you guys. Yeah, my wife, she turned me on to an iPhone about two years ago, and I just got to be careful with that thing. I love the written Word because I love to turn its pages. I love to write things down in the margins. I like to take different... Here, can you see how many colors I got here? I'm not showing off. I'm just telling you, I can't do that with my iPhone. There's something special about this. It's something that when I am with the Lord and I've left the earth, I can leave this behind with my kids. He can pass it down to the grandkids and say, this is what your grandpa had. 1 Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, 
The devil prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Father, I pray that we would know every one of the schemes of the enemy, but this morning the number one reason why churches don't grow. This morning may we learn. In Jesus' name, amen. I speak to you, speak this to you in healing, not a rebuke. So everybody can take a collective sigh of relief and say, this is not a rebuke. There have been times when I have delivered some of this in rebuke because the church needed it. And by the way, that's biblical. Nowadays in some some of of the more um, relaxed places that you can find in the kingdom, I I, I call them grace churches. That's kind of crazy, but... They, they don't believe in, in using the Word of God for what it is. You know, Paul told Timothy that the Word of God, it's profitable. That is, it's valuable to us. It's, it's good for correction. It's good for rebuke. It's good for, uh, oh, there's one more. It's, it's skipping my mind. But it's also good for training in righteousness. Amen. This morning I want to take the training in righteousness. How many of you love being righteous? You know, it's okay to be righteous especially when it all comes down and we're standing before the Lord, it's more than okay to be righteous. Do you know that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak? that ever scare you? That freaks me out when I stop and think about it. The book of James, I call the book of James the first book of conviction. That is one of those books that we really need to read over and over and over and memorize. As a youth pastor, I watch kids memorize the entire book of James for Bible quiz. And so I met up with one of those kids that had the whole thing memorized. And we just started quoting back and forth. It's amazing after how many years of studying and preaching and you know that I had it just stuck in me. Now I'm 55 years old now and I'm not getting any younger. And some of those things start drifting off a little bit. But I'm telling you, the Lord can bring that stuff up to you if you put it in here. He can bring it. He can haul it from down here about, what, 18 inches lower than your, your head and your shoulders. He can haul it all the way up to your mind in a blink. And, you know, the more you read and hear and listen to the Word of God, that's what happens. The book of James is full of that. The Word of God would not have us ignorant on the schemes of the devil. What's he doing? He's looking for someone to what? Let's put it short. He wants to eat you. I want to speak to you this morning about Satan's cafe. There's only one thing on the menu. You know, you go to a a place, nice place to eat, or you even go to McDonald's. There's a menu of all kinds of things for your choosing. When you go to Satan's cafe, there's only one thing on the menu. You and I, believers. He is seeking whom he may devour. Says, so be self-controlled and alert. Alert. That means ready for action. Be self-controlled and ready for action is in another portion of the writings of Peter. Alert. Have you been alerted lately? To the point where, you know, you're just cruising through the day, you know, just enjoying life and, and whatever it is you might be thinking about, just going through a normal day and all of a sudden just boom like that, you're alert. Because the Holy Spirit has said to you, the enemy is seeking. Right now, he's close to you and he's going to cause some trouble. Have you ever had that happen to you? No? I hope it does. Because I'm, I'm relying for you to say, yes, that, that has happened to me. Because if not, then... And we've got a, a hearing problem somewhere in our bodies, you know, because the Lord wants to speak to us. We have an enemy who's that nearby. Would you turn with me to the book of Genesis? Now, we're looking at this rather symbolically, okay? The eating part and you and I being on the menu and Satan's cafe and everything from here on out is all symbolic. But does that make it less real? No, on the other hand, it is so real 
the Lord wants us to see word pictures and signs and symbolism so we get it. Because the devil is that real, he is that hungry, and he wants that badly to eat you and I so we will not make it to the kingdom of heaven or come in tired and never give him a problem here on this earth. He'll settle for either one. He doesn't care so much that you're going to heaven. You may go around confessing, yeah, I'm a Christian. The devil doesn't care. But you start pushing back the kingdom of darkness. He puts a target on you and he wants to eat you. That is what he wants to do. He wants to take you out of the ball game right now. So turn to Genesis. Let's get some more symbolism. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Are you alert? Genesis 3.14. Okay, this is right after the, the fall of man, the eating of the forbidden fruit in the garden, and the Lord is handing out curses to Adam, to Eve, and to the devil. And He starts out, first, the first matter of business is to the devil. The Lord is angry with him. And he says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Tempted, tempted Adam to eat. Eve ate. She was deceived. Deceived her, so she ate. And then then he tempted and, and Adam ate. Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. What's he going to eat? Dust. Okay, remember that? Dust. Okay, Larry, would you go to Genesis 3.19? And then he says to Adam, now that would be you and I there, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are and to dust you will return. You know, we save that for funeral times, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. But the truth of the matter is, every day that we walk as believers, we are dust, symbolically dust. We came from the earth. You know, it's interesting, but I'd heard this, oh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, that, uh, and, and I'm not going to be the biochemist on this, but every mineral that is in your body, trace minerals and everything, every mineral and some pretty fancy ones and pretty expensive ones are also found in the earth and we spend great money to mine it out of the earth to give us our technology today. But every one of the minerals in our body are representative in the earth. We truly came from dust. Now wait a minute. Does anybody see the connection there yet? Are you seeing the connection there? Where, where Peter in the New Testament, he says, be self-controlled and alert for your enemy prowls around like a lion, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why is he seeking whom he may devour here? Because we're dust. Okay, with well the first one, Genesis 3.14 said, for you will eat dust. You'll crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. You'll be cursed above all livestock. You're going to eat dust. And then he turns to Adam and says, Adam, here's the bad news. You're dust. Okay. You understand that part. So that part in the New Testament that says that the devil is seeking whom he may devour, we need to know, started all the way back in the garden and we've had problems ever since. We need to know just how badly he is wanting to eat us. He has an insatiable appetite to devour God's people and the church. It's always been that way. Always been that way. That has not changed, and nor will it change until we see Jesus face to face and we enter in to our great reward in His presence. Hallelujah. But here on earth, we need to know something. We are dust, and there is a devil that eats dust. That's all he eats, and at Satan's cafe, that's all that is on the menu. He wants to eat you. That's real good news, isn't it? But you know what? When you go through a training course in the armed forces, 
The stuff you learn there isn't a whole lot of fun, but it'll keep you alive when it comes time to fight. Amen? And you know, in churches today, all they want to do is count how many people are coming to church. And there are some people who think that how many people are in your church is the most important thing about anything that the church is all about. And I say to them this, and I've said this for years, when I hear other pastors bragging about their church growth, their church size, all the church programs that they have and all the church building programs that they've been through and they still can't seem to get a handle on how big their church is growing and how fast it's growing, then they're looking at, at me and they say, oh, how big is your church? And I said, somewhere between four and 5,000. I'm not lying. Somewhere between four and 5,000. Oh, man, I watch their eyebrows. They make all kinds of funny faces at me. And pretty soon it clicks and they feel really dumb. And they ought to feel dumb. Because you know what? The strength of an army is not determined by how many show up in the mess hall. This is the mess hall. You don't count how many people are in the mess hall. You just know they're going to be there because they're hungry. We need to be trained for righteousness in this last hour in which we live. Not to just kind of scoot right on through and hit some kind of a rapture moment and be out of here. That ain't right. Now, the Lord can come back and take us anytime He wants. And there have been some days where I've looked at certain people and I said, I wouldn't mind today being the day. Truth is, I wouldn't mind any day, any moment to see Him face to face, see Him split the eastern sky. Hallelujah. But we need not to be slack in our living and in our mission and in our ministry. In this day and hour, we need to be faithful to the reason why He saved you. To labor. To walk in righteousness. And to be careful to know that there is a devil that wants to devour you and eat you. Okay, we'll go. We'll go from that a little bit better to a little bit better part. Jesus saved us For us to be involved in ministry. So we are saved and we are savored at the same time. You know when you cook a steak on the grill, there's that one word that describes what happens in that moment, a little magical moment as that, as that nice charcoal smell wafts through the air and you're, oh man, I savor, oh I gave it away. What, what's the word for that? You savor. Now, we might we might be drooling a little bit in those times, you know. As you get older, that happens anyway. But you got to be really careful about that when you're in public places and you're smelling good things. Wow. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Him aside. Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him. Never, Lord! This shall never happen to you! Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now, you read that in the, in the King James, and it says, rather than having in mind, it says, For thou savorest not the things of God, but the things of men. That, now, that's not going to appear up there, you know, unless Larry's really quick, but I didn't tell him that. I didn't give him a heads up. But if you, if you have the King James handy, check it out. It says, for Jesus looked at, at Satan. He says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things of God, 
Now, he's not blaming him for that. Because that's just the way it is. But he says, you savor, for thou savorest the things of men, but the things of man. You savor mankind. You savor the political systems on the earth. You savor as if to enjoy the smell because you're going to eat is the point I want to make here. He savors the things of men. Now here comes a really big question. Okay, this is where it gets a little bit difficult. Is this hard to explain? Hard to understand? Pretty simple, isn't it? Okay. The trouble is when we think simple is going to be easy. I'll give you something simple to do. Get a shovel and let's dig a hole in rocky ground. Pretty simple, isn't it? Is it easy? Mm-mm. I've, I've found this, that most things that are simple have this hidden little trick called difficult. This is going to be easy to understand this morning, but here's the part where it gets difficult. Do you think that the devil would ever use you, born again, spirit-filled, called by God, that the devil would ever use you? This is what, this is what, what, what halts me right here is where I see Peter, the one who was chosen, the one who is of the twelve, but he's also of the three. Peter, the one who walked on water. Peter, the one who who has the keys of the kingdom, who gave the great confession in, in 16, verse 16, just prior to this. Peter! And what does is, what is the Lord do? And Peter says, oh, surely not, surely not. The Lord looked at him and He said, get thee behind me, Satan. I have met some Christians that, that will just gladly boast that the devil could never use them. I'm serious. It's frightening to think that he can use us without our knowing it. Now, it's also good to know that we are equipped with the Holy Spirit, that Jesus, when he went down into the, to the bottom portions of the earth, I don't know if you want to call that geographically, I like to call it symbolically, But He also was the same one who ascended. We're talking Ephesians 4. Ascended into heaven and with Him He took the train of captives that were held there and He took them into heaven and said, and He gave gifts to mankind, to you and I, the saved, the born again, the chosen by God, that we are given gifts. And one of those great gifts is called discernment. Discernment operates best in a person whose heart is totally sold out to God, no compromise, no playing with the things of this world. That's when discernment operates best. I call it Holy Ghost discernment. Then there's the discernment that comes in a different package of a gift. It's called the distinguishing between spirits. Would to God we would operate in that all times so we would know when we open our yapper that sometimes we're going to be used by the devil. Peter opened his yapper and Jesus turned around and rebuked him. So what was the, what was the, the deal for that right there? It was, it was this. It was that Peter was voicing the words of Satan. You know, he was saved. Jesus said that at the washing, at the foot washing time. He said, some of us have already had a bath, only our feet are dirty. That was Peter. He was speaking spiritually of his condition. You've been saved, but you're a little bit dirty. Let's wash up. Let's come clean. People, let's stay in a clean state, amen? Yeah, we walk through some dirty places, but we don't have to get dirty. And that's why we come in here to be with the fellowship of saints to find a place called sanctuary. Let's take sanctuary with us. Let's walk in the glory realm together. Let's be alert. Let's be self-controlled and learn when we go to open our mouth that we could be saying something that is terribly from the designed by hell. Okay. 
So what was the deal with tempting Jesus on that? He took him aside and he, he says, you know, Peter took him aside and he says, come here, Lord, that will never happen. And immediately he knew that it was the devil speaking. Have you learned to discern the words of the devil? You, if you want to know where he is, and it's good to know because we need to be alert, is that he leads tracks. Learn to know his tracks. Give you an example. Well, first let me finish this thought. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because Satan was trying to once again tempt him to not go to the cross. To once again tempt him that he could set up a kingdom on this earth. Well, we know that the Bible said that in that day of temptation out in the wilderness, that the devil left him until an opportune time. This was an opportune time where Jesus was, he was not wanting to go to the cross. And he wanted to share this, but he was also sharing the glory that was to come. The joy that was set before him when he went to the cross. As he saw you and I with him in righteousness. And the devil doesn't like that. Now, learning to hear the voice of the Lord, the more you learn to hear His voice, the more you learn the voice of the enemy when he speaks. I had an occasion um, probably about two weeks ago. A young man I spent a lot of time with by default because it's what I do. Uh, A young man is sitting next to me and he sits there because he acts up all the time. And I knew he was tormented. And I'm just waiting for a proper time to to deal with this thing, you know, because it gets kind of complicated in what I do. I'm not worried about it threatening my job. I just have to walk wisely. But here's this young man sitting next to me, and he looks at me and he goes, Rip, you're a drug addict. That came from an addict, by the way. Rip, you're a drug addict. I work with teen drug addicts in recovery. And this young man, he looks at me and he says, Rip, you're a drug addict. I looked at him and I said, not hardly. Yes, you are. Once you're an addict, you're always an addict. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, Jesus saved me 32 years ago. And as soon as I said, Jesus, now if you're listening by podcast out there, you're not going to know what I'm going to do. But I want to show you what he did. As soon as I said, but Jesus, as soon as I said Jesus, he goes, ah, ah, ah. That got the attention of a few of the other kids sitting around. Now, I knew it was the devil speaking as soon as he looked at me and said, I mean, I need it because I'm alert. Not always, but I'm alert when I'm there because I'm on the devil's property. And he, as soon as he said, you are a drug addict, I knew right away that was a devil. How do I know? Because he is the accuser of the brethren. A voice of accusation is the first clue that the devil is nearby. Someone accuses you of something that you know is not true. Something that God has given you. He wants to mock and tease and accuse you. Ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how many other believers, quote-unquote, are used by the devil to accuse you of things that you are walking in righteousness in. You're in good company. Very good company. Well, it went on a little bit, and I thought, you know, there's a curious part of me. And I thought, devil, you've been giving me a hard time for too long. I'm going I'm to give you a hard time for a minute. I knew it wasn't bothering this young man whatsoever. It was tormenting the demons. And so I told him, I said, there's this thing called a born-again experience. I'm a new creation. I am, and this was witnessing to the other kids. I'm allowed to do that. You know, I'm just talking about an experience. I'm not preaching. But as soon as I brought up born again, and I mean, his, his head was down by his knees and he was, he was bowing in torment and hollering, Ah! Stop it! Stop it! Ah! That was the devil. <laughs> and, I, and I tell you that because there are times when it's less obvious than that 
that it's the devil. And think about Peter. I would never put myself on the same level as Peter spiritually. I have not lived with Jesus for three years. Seen him go off in the early dark hours at oh dark 30 to get a hold of his Father in heaven for the difficulties of the day and for his relationship. I have not walked that walk. I am not going to judge Peter. So this young man, he says, but you're a drug addict. You're a drug addict. You did drugs, didn't you? I looked at him and I said, okay, I'll tell you what. When you go drug-free for 32 years, washed by the blood of Jesus, and of course he just went nuts again, I said, you tell me. You come talk to me when you've done that and tell me I'm still a drug addict. Got pretty quiet at that point. And the other kids that were sitting around, they were going, wow. And all of a sudden, they looked at the young man and they said, you need to go to church. <laughs> yes! Yeah, yes! Another one looked at him and kind of smiled and said, you better not be saying that kind of stuff in church. And I thought, no, that's really the proper place to do that. Believers do it. Why not the unsaved? The church is a good place for those who are tormented by demons to be. Okay, a little bit further. So let us think on these things, that there should never be a moment in our minds where we think that the devil will never use us. Oh, be careful with that word. Never, that he won't ever use me, that he remember remember the pit from which we were saved. Remember that Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us walk circumspectly is the King James word for that. That means carefully, looking around. Be alert, be self controlled, be awake. Would you turn with me to Galatians 5? Galatians 5 and verse 14. I got that wrong. I knew that was going to happen. Huh? (laughs) Nope. I'll get there. Hang on, I'm going to rescue myself. Did I mean Galatians 4? I think I did. Five, four, let's see, 15. I'm sorry. It's the next one. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, for good reason, love your neighbor as yourself. Because Paul goes on to the church in Galatia. He says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Okay? Um, See the part where it says watch out? See the part where it says keep on biting and devouring? Who does that? The devil does. The devil can use us to do that. Okay, let let me jump ahead. Just a little bit here. Oh, you wouldn't know I'm doing that. I didn't have to say that. Another redundancy. Um, I'm the king of redundancies. One day I was riding down the road. Got the radio preacher on. This is before the high-tech days. I'm still low-tech. doesn't matter. But one day I had the radio preacher on, and just for one, one brief moment in my mind, there was something he said that reminded me of what he did And I had one of these things of disagreement with his methods. Have you ever disagreed with a preacher's methods or what he does or what he thinks or what he preaches? Come on, be honest. You might be having a problem with me this morning, but that's not why I'm saying this. 
I'm talking about believers in general, but for me it was in high places. The Lord does not treat me very well when I do something He doesn't want me to do. I don't know about you, but the Lord's doghouse hurts. It's called godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians. Godly sorrow does what? Oh, tell me you don't know this one. Godly sorrow does what? Works. Works. That means it works. Repentance. And there are times where we could not or would not change ourselves that the Lord says, I'm going to help you a little bit. And He does it with godly sorrow. And it hurts. It's one of those moments. I'm driving down the road and I just had that thought. And I mean, just that quick, I heard, ouch! That hurt. And right away I'm thinking, oh, I know who that is. And I had a picture of a boxing match. Immediately. And the Lord says, you just gave me a body blow. Jesus, did I hit you? He says, you gave me a body blow. (laughs) Because what I did was I had something, just a complaint in my mind about another brother and the way he did things. Just a complaint. Now seriously, people, was it any of my business? But I made it God's business real quick. Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other when you bite and devour one another. You'll be destroyed. You'll destroy each other. You will render the other person, a brother in Christ, ineffective, useless in the kingdom. Do we want to do that? But we do, don't we? Again, I do not share this as a rebuke, but training in righteousness. This is why we need to know what comes out of our mouth can do great harm or great good. I'm sorry, but it's just that way. You know, it's not good when we get a picture of a devoured church. We're living in a day and age where the church is getting smaller, not bigger, for good reasons. Not good reasons. I mean, less than obvious, powerful reasons. And it's profound. It's based on this. How can we ever begin to think that we are going to have any good effect complaining about other people in church, complaining about what God's not doing, complaining about what the brother's preaching on, complaining about how this person looks, complaining about seeing this person over there, all the while we have no idea that we are devouring the body of Christ. Are you still with me on this? Can I take you a step further? I'll give you a warning. We're going to go to about five afternoon. Is that okay? Because I don't want to. I don't. This is this is something that's really important for us to see. Remember, we opened up with First Peter five eight. It says, "Be be alert. Alert. Alert means not slumbering, not being in a state of." Kick backness like you might be this morning. That's okay. Let me rock you with something in the Word this morning. But you take it from here and, and walk in it. Be alert. Be alert to the things of God. Be alert to the spirit realm at all times. Peter says, at all times. Because it's dangerous. Spiritually dangerous. Now, if you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to read something to you that from this point, from all points till now, we know that it's been a word on communion. And there's another twist to this I want us all to see. There's another meaning to all of this. Remember, stay alert, okay? Be alert for your adversary, the devil, goes around it like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be alert is the key there. Paul is saying about those who eat and drink unworthily, it says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner 
will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks of the cup. And going, Can you go another verse there, Larry, please? 27 through 30. Go one more. Can you, can you get verse 30? Oh, 30 is there. I'm sorry. You know what? I can't read that. Even though it's bigger, I can't read it quick. If anyone eats and drinks without recognizing... Sorry about that. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing... Recognizing what? The body of the Lord? Without recognizing the body of the Lord. We drink and we eat unworthily. Unworthily means unholy unholy communion. Okay, you got a hold of that? This is where it gets gets really, really tricky. This is not a new doctrine. This is not a new teaching. But I'm showing you, I'm trying to open this thing up for you a little bit to understand what it does to us and what it does to others if we are allowing a foothold of the enemy in our lives, in our complaining, in our disagreements, in our strife, in our selfish ambition, if we allow this to continue in us, if we are in a faction in a church somewhere where this is going on, leave the church. I'm just going to tell you flat out, and this has been my counsel through the years, if you've got a problem with the pastor there and you've gone to him to no satisfaction, leave the church. Why? Because of what I'm going to show you, but also this, that the Lord, there are seven things that the Lord hates. It's in, it's in Proverbs. There's seven things the Lord hates. One of them is, is those that cause division, those that cause dissension. And it's dissension. It's better for us to just leave. You know the part where it says if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If the church offends you and they just won't do what you're telling them, if the pastor won't do what you're telling you know. Nonsense. It's none of your business. You're judging another man of God. You're judging another man's servant. And the Lord says it's not wise. Leave. Leave for a while and come back, but just leave. If you can't get that out of you, and you just got to go and listen to others take unholy communion, not recognizing that what they're doing is eating, who are we? We are the body of Christ. If we come together with a, with a little cracker and a cup and we can recognize the body and the blood of Jesus in that and somehow we miss that we are the body of Jesus expressed physically on this earth to an undying world, we've missed it all. If we go and we continue to backbite, complain about somebody else, in the house of God. Lord, help us. And I've seen that. I heard one man one time say, how come it's so hard to get somebody healed? And I had a word of the Lord for him, but God did not release me to say it. It wasn't time. But the truth of the matter was this. If you keep hurting people in the house of God, why should He heal people? Mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? Isn't this sick? Anyone? Okay, here's the warning. That is why many among you are what? And and a number of you have fallen asleep. Now, we have argued over the years, us theologians, we have argued over the years that that falling asleep means to die. And that some people have died before their time because... Why? Because they have backbitten, they have slandered. No, no, it's because they have drinking unworthily. Well, I want to tell you something. Again, I went to my handy concordance and I looked up the word falling asleep. There is a word that that was used in the Greek and there are several meanings in the dictionary for that. And you know, it was like the third meaning says to die. But there were two other ones before that that meant just like we read it. Falling asleep, it means to slumber. Do I have to preach that anymore? Come on, help me. Churches where there are factions, where there are divisions, 
And there are people that are backbiting and taking chunks of the Lord's body to themselves for their own bitter uses. Thinking that I'm doing God a favor because what's going on in this church is wrong. That's not of God. And all of this stuff that you hear through the years. And I've been around a lot of churches. And I've got to tell you, this is operative in many churches. And I just walk away and I'm thinking... Y'all just be better to shut up because you're going to stand before God. And not only that, but right now, you're going, to be, you're going to be weak, you're going to be sick as a Christian, and you're going to be falling asleep. Now, you want to know why? You come into a church and people are falling asleep. It's not because they were, you know, the, after the, the first day of a big snowstorm and they've been shoveling and all that kind of stuff. I mean spiritually slumbering. Three days ago, it was the 11th, 12th anniversary of my wife and I coming back home. We left the church in revival. I loved it. I loved the ministry. I loved it. It was vibrant. Miracles. And I didn't want to come back home. Why? Because I know a lot of churches were... <coughs> I didn't know why until now. It's because they're eating the body, not recognizing Jesus. Jesus in you, Jesus in me. And they're eating unworthily, and because of that, they're falling asleep. There, did that shed any light on something? Did, did anybody get anything out of this? Because this is... Of all the sermons I've preached in 30 years, this is the number one right here that I could just go to church to church and say, would you please hear me? This all comes from the Word, people. All of it is in the Word. And not only that, all of it is in the desire of God that we stop complaining about other Christians and pastors and churches. Oh, why do there have to be so many denominations? <laughs> I, probably because of what you're manifesting right now. <laughs> Am I perfect in this? No. There are times when I complain. There's sometimes when I get a holy discontent in me and say, God, they're not walking in your purposes. And I have to remind myself, huh? Who did I just say that to? Lord, you know me. And you still love me. Cleanse us, O oh God. Cleanse us. May we not forget this. May we remember next week, Lord, when we come to your table for Holy Communion, that we not go away from here, that we not go away from here not recognizing the body of Jesus and other people. And snack on it. Father, I pray that you'd forgive us for the times when we have given you body blows. Because when we, in the boxing, sport of boxing, you deliver body blows. You rarely put someone out. But the body blow is to set up what? A shot to the head to put you down for the count. There's a reason for body blows. And you can't take too many body blows before something a punch comes that you don't see. And we call that a haymaker. Father, I pray for an alertness over your people to find those that have been hurt by body blows. And some of them have taken a headshot from the enemy because of it. Lord, the devil knows when we are weak and hurt. And we too have eaten unworthily. Father, I pray that this church body this morning will receive strength from You. That will go out of here with a, with a taste of godly sorrow. It's godly. It's wonderful because it works repentance. And God, may we not ever, ever speak against someone in the body of Christ again and not recognize Jesus in it. God, stop us from doing this. 
And Lord, I pray, put up a guard over this body that has taken much, much damage. There has been too much over the years. God, it needs to stop and we trust You, Lord, that that Spirit has gone out of here in Jesus' name and for us now to guard it. Lord, thank You for Your Word this morning. Training in righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before we leave here in a moment, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you please do business with God? Please? For the sake of the body of Christ, that from this point forward we would recognize the body of Christ, recognize the body in each other, Jesus in the body. Oh God, help us. Father, help us also to be alert this week. Oh God, your servant as well, I have no idea what's going to happen this week. And neither does anybody. Lord, we just don't know. But Lord, I pray that that You would cause everyone here to go out, not in fear, but but in in a spirit of alertness, an attitude of alertness, being ready. Lord, for what You are going to do, You have a purpose in each one of these lives. Hallelujah. And before we go this morning, is there anybody here that's not given their life to Jesus? Or maybe you want prayer in that regard this morning. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning. You want, to, you want others to stand around you. Maybe this morning the, the Lord has been tapping on your heart saying, come up higher. Come up higher. Would that be you this morning? Would you just put your hand up there so everybody can see it? No, everybody's not looking around just so I can see it. I want to pray with you. Would you do that? If not, that's okay. Okay, sis, I see your hand. I suspect that there are many that are giving this thought right now to the glory of God to the wonder of His Word to us. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, I hear those joints popping and the groans. And... God is good, isn't He? Oh, yeah, and He's great. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray a blessing over these people. Lord, for the sister that raised her hand, Lord, I pray, God, that there would be an outpouring. Out goes the bad. In comes the good. In comes the good. Out goes the bad. Lord, I I pray, Lord, for many clashes between light and darkness in the lives of everyone that is here. Oh, that's a good thing. It's an exciting thing. It's abundant life stuff. And God, I pray that each one would be reaching out to you and saying, Lord, here am I, send me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you go. In Jesus' name.